Hey, I'm, I'm really keen to get into the Word. As I said, I, I feel like I've been jumping out of my skin to preach this. And um, I really believe it's going to be impactful for you. So let's open up, if you have your Bible, to the book of Luke tonight. Luke uh, chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. And this is a familiar passage of Scripture. Um, but I believe there's so many angles when we come to the Word of God. There's so many facets of who Jesus is that when we come to the Word of God, um, I don't know if you can relate to this, but you can get something new out of it every time. And so let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 38. To 42, it'll be on the screen behind me. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, him being Jesus. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. I didn't realize, I knew you could be distracted from Jesus with bad things, but how crazy you can be distracted from Jesus with good things too. So she was distracted with serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Can you say amen? My title uh, tonight I want to speak to you about is I want to speak to you about pseudo-saviors. Pseudo-saviors. And if you haven't heard that word before, I'll explain it to you real quick. Um, you may have heard of pseudoscience. Um, it basically means it's like an illegitimate or a counterfeit version of something. Um, it's like a knockoff. And I want to speak to you tonight about, about um, inauthentic or counterfeit, or as I say, uh, pseudo-saviors tonight. Um, I believe every one of us, and I'll just define a pseudo-saviour like this, um, every one of us has a place that we go to um, instead of the cross to get what we need at times. And there is a, a, a real revelation I believe God wants to show us through this text and through what we just read. Um, because I believe that any place we go to other than the cross to get what we need has the potential of becoming a pseudo-saviour in your life. It's an inauthentic or a counterfeit version of what Jesus gives us. And true salvation, if you embrace a pseudo-saviour, you'll walk out a pseudo-salvation. You won't walk in the fullness and the wholeness of what Jesus has paid for. And so I want to speak to you tonight about pseudo-saviors. If you think you don't have a pseudo-saviour, you probably have a pseudo-saviour of pride. And hopefully by the end of the message, you've changed your mind. <laughs> it strikes me in this verse that uh, Jesus comes over to Martha's house uh, and, and Mary's there sitting at her feet. And it says that she was distracted with much serving. How crazy. We always get told as Christians, like we're supposed to serve, lay down our lives and, and it's important and, and, and definitely is important and it is crucial. But how crazy that Mary and Martha had the same Jesus visit their house, but one of them sat at His feet to learn from Him and be with Him. But the other one was so concerned about what she was doing for Him that she forgot the very one that she was doing it for. How crazy that we can be, we can be serving Jesus, doing the right things, and yet we can lose sight. She was in the presence of Jesus, but she wasn't present with Jesus. And what that tells me from this passage is that proximity doesn't necessarily equate to intimacy. Proximity doesn't necessarily equate to intimacy. And what I mean by that is, is if I, um, Pastor Tim, I know Pastor Tim, we're close mates. Um, and so if I stand next to him, it's because I know him and we're, we're quite like, I have a deep relationship, right? Right? Okay, cool, we're, we're good. But what, what happened if I stood next to Tim and I didn't know him and I was, I was kind of like just a stranger, I could be really close, I could give him a hug, I could, I could stand right up next, up close to him, but if I didn't know him in a real relationship, that proximity does not create intimacy. 
And did you know it's the same in our walk with God, that you can have proximity to the church and proximity to people who love Jesus and are Christians. And, and let me tell you, those things are important as Christians and it's so key that we do those things. But I don't wanna get so caught up in doing things and being in the proximity to church that I forget about my pursuit for Jesus individually having an intimate relationship with Him individually. That's how, that's how a mega church pastor or someone who's doing so much for the kingdom, they can get caught up like Martha and they lose sight of the one they were even doing it for. And my concern is, and my prayer is that we wouldn't be a generation of Christians who just know how to serve on a team, but don't know how to sit at the feet of Jesus and spend time with Him and receive His love and pour out our love on Him. That's what the, the call, I'm not saying we all, um, we all grow our hair out and, and don't wear shoes and we all quit our jobs. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is the most works that we do in our life, the great works we do for the kingdom have to be birthed. They have to be birthed from a place of just wanting to know Jesus and be intimate with Jesus. And I wanna, I wanna kind of dive into this a little bit deeper if I could. Um, Martha was obviously in the same, they had the same Jesus visit. Martha was more concerned about what she was doing for Him than simply being with Him. And I don't wanna look back on my life and, and say I did a whole bunch of stuff and I did a whole bunch of things, but I didn't really know and walk with Jesus intimately. I don't want that to be said on my life. And I pray that our prayer as Christians would also be the same. Um, what takes place in this passage is that Martha chooses uh, a different Saviour to the Saviour that she's in the same house with. And I wanna probe a little deeper into Martha's heart. Jesus makes a statement. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're troubled about many things. See, the reason that uh, we can deduce from what Jesus said that the reason that Martha couldn't see and spend time with the real authentic Saviour was likely because she had a pseudo-Saviour that she was actually serving. She had a pseudo-Saviour. And a pseudo-Saviour, as I said, it's a place or something we go to other than the cross and other than Jesus to get what we need. And so I believe that the pseudo-Saviour that Martha had was she had a pseudo-Saviour of control. She likely had a pseudo-saviour of, of I'll be okay as long as I, I do enough stuff and I, and I make everything perfect and everything has to be just the way that I want it to be. And she had generated a pseudo-saviour thinking that her peace and her, um, her, her wholeness in her life would come from the things that she would do. That's likely the position that Martha held in her heart based on what Jesus was saying. And I wonder in your life tonight, is anyone, anyone like Mary and you're really chill? You're like that chill person you do the assignment the night before, you just believe that diamonds are made under pressure and it's all good. Is anyone more of, I'm more of a Martha, can I be real? Like I find myself, identify way more with Martha in this story. Where I find myself more often than not, sometimes I'll, I'll just be, I'll be so caught up in the hustle and the grind and the stressing. I'm one of those people, um, when I have like a pain or a sickness in my body, I do the one thing you're not supposed to do and I like Google the symptoms and I find out, you either find out one of two things, you find out it's nothing and then Google says, or you have five minutes to live and you need to call an ambulance. And so I'm, I, I, honestly, I think I waver more between the, the Martha side and I'm envious of those Mary types. <laughs> but, but what's crazy about this verse is, and what's crazy about our faith sometimes is I believe that oftentimes a pseudo-saviour can actually be our behaviour. That we can actually allow our behaviour to become a pseudo-saviour in our life. That we can allow the things that we do and the, and, the, and the busyness that we have to dictate and to be an indication of our value and of our worth. And we need to be careful that in this generation that's so fast paced, we're still taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary rather than hustle and grind and forget the one we're doing it for like Martha. And uh, I like what one theologian, Tim Keller says. He says that many Christians, they don't base their righteousness on what happened at the cross. He says they base their righteousness on the general inconsistency of their worst sins. He says they, they base a lot of the time as Christians, we can base our right standing with God 
on the general inconsistency of the sins in our life that we would deem worse than other people's sins. And so often our, our behaviour becomes our Saviour. And you say, Ronan, I know I'm saved by grace. I don't need this. I already know this already. But if that's true, because can I tell you, there's a difference between what you profess with your mouth and what you believe and live out in your life. And you might say, well, Ronan, I get this. This is the grace of God. I know it covers me. But if that's true, then, then why is it that when you don't feel like you've done enough for God in that week, you can't spend time with Him the way you normally would? Or when you feel like you, you, you haven't done enough good stuff or ticked your, your Christian box, it's because you have a a pseudo saviour of, of your behaviour. And you start to build the foundation of your life on what you can do for God, not what He's done for us. Pseudo saviours can take many forms and these are just a few that I, I was mentioning, but another pseudo saviour is the pseudo saviour of our feelings. And our culture and our world is, is so caught up and so hung up on feelings. In fact, um, I believe that our, our culture has made an, a pseudo saviour out of chasing and following our feelings. That we say, if I, can just, if I can just do what I feel, what I feel is right when I wanna do it, if I can just do what I feel and fulfill my urges or my desires, then I'll have a happy life. And that's a lie of the enemy. But conversely, we also, I think, sometimes have, a, on the other side of the, of the, the line we have, um, where we don't process our emotions with God properly. And we think that, that God's not concerned or doesn't value our emotions or, or we don't talk to our life group leaders about how we're really feeling. Uh, we don't talk to God about how we're really feeling. And, and we get so caught up trying to cover up what we're really feeling. And, and it's kind of like we think that feelings are the devil almost. But can I tell you, feelings are not the devil. In fact, when I look at the Bible and I look at the life of King David, he, he, he exemplifies a life where he processes his emotions and his feelings with God. And he starts, he, he, it's crazy. We can sometimes come to Jesus and be like, you don't know what I'm going through, God. <laughs> Jesus, you don't know what it's like to be betrayed and have people turn their back on you. Oh, wait, you do. <laughs> Jesus, you don't know what it's like to, to have all this pain and this hurt going on around you. And, and, and I believe that Jesus would say, yes, I do. <laughs> in fact, Christianity is one of the only uh, faiths and belief systems that really we can say this, that our Saviour, uh, the book of Hebrews says, He's a high priest who's able to sympathise with our weaknesses. And so we have a relation, relational Saviour that can actually sympathise with our weaknesses. Now, feelings are not the devil, but feelings are also not God. And so what we waver in in the world is we have this idea that if I could just fulfill what I wanna do, if I can do what feels right, what feels good, I'll find satisfaction and I'll find gratification for my soul. Has anyone, has anyone ever done anything that you felt like doing and in hindsight you regretted it? Raise your hand. All right, there's some liars in this place. Raise your hand. <laughs> has anyone, can you imagine if, if, um, if you only, let's talk about your physical appetite. Can you imagine if you only ever ate what you felt like? If you only ever ate all the junk food that you felt like and all the bad food that you felt like, if you did that, you're eventually, if you only did that, your health and your, your heart would begin to crash and your body would get damaged because you're, you're serving these appetites in your body, whatever comes to you. But how crazy is it that we can think that, we can know that about the physical, and yet when it comes to the appetite of our soul, we'll give it to anything. And we'll follow whatever feelings we feel and whatever things that, that we think are right. And one thing that I've discovered is, is often in this generation, when it comes to knowing God and, and, and bringing our, ourselves into obedience to Him, we can create a, a pseudo savior out of our feelings. And what happens is we, we put what seems right to us over God's plan for what He says is right for us. And so and we kind of have this idea, like we want like a buffet God. You remember Sizzlers? R.I.P. Sizzlers. Remember the cheesy bread? Come on somebody, I'm getting hungry right now. Well, we got to clap, we got to clap for that. Oh, good. Now, when you're at Sizzles, I don't know if you got the salad bar, you know, you kind of just pick what you want and you don't, you know, you take the ice cream, you mix like two ice cream flavors 
and the cheesy bread and then you don't take anything else. That's At least that's what I did. But you, you pick and you, and you choose, right? But the problem is when we come to God with a, with a buffet mentality and we only pick the teachings of Jesus that, that, that appeal to our feelings or our flesh, or we only pick the, the opinions and the feelings that, that line up that the Bible says, we actually end up constructing a pseudo-saviour. And what I mean by that is, is we'll, we'll go around like this, look at the Bible, we'll look at God's plan for our life, and it'll be like, okay, uh, I'll take some grace, I'll take some cheesy bread, I'll take some, I'll take some of God's kindness, I love that, I'll take some mercy, um, what's that, I'll take some, I'll take some forgiveness, oh wait, is that forgiveness for my sins? Because I'll take that, but if it's forgiveness for other people's sins, I won't take that, so... Um, <laughs> I'll take, so, okay, and we take all the, all, the, all the bits that we like and the teachings that we like, but then we keep going down the snack table and it's like, mm, purity. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm full. I don't really want any of that. Mm, holy, I'll take a little bit of holiness, but I don't really want too much holiness. I'll take a little bit. And, and what we do is we end up picking and choosing the, the parts. And what we're doing is we're actually constructing a pseudo savior of our own desire. We're constructing a pseudo-saviour according to our own feelings, not above, above the revelation of God in Scripture and in what the Word tells us. And so we pick and so we choose. And can I tell you, if you can construct your own saviour, that saviour is not big enough to save ya. Saviour, see what I did there? It, oh, you like that? <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you construct your own saviour, that saviour is not big enough to, to save you. It's not. Because you've made it, you're bigger than it. <laughs> but so many times we construct our own Saviour and we, it's like we pick and we choose. And it's crazy because we want a big God, but we also want a small God when we have a pseudo-Saviour of our feelings. And what I mean by that is we want a God that's big enough to save our soul, but we want a God that's small enough to not dictate the way that we want to live. We want a God that's big enough to, to deliver us and forgive us from our sins, but we also want a God that's small enough to not uh, call what I like sin or what my proclivity is to be sin. And so we pick and we choose and it's a pseudo saviour. True salvation doesn't come when you, you pick and you choose. It comes when you, you say, I'm giving my, my life to Jesus. He has Lordship over my feelings. He has Lordship over my life. The Bible puts it this way. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. There's a way that seems right to your flesh and to your feelings, but it ends in death. That, that the true freedom and the true wholeness that comes from a, from a real Saviour, not a pseudo-Saviour, is found when we submit our lives to Him. We want a God that's big enough to get us through hard times, but we want a God that's just small enough that we can hide Him in our pocket when we go to work so that we don't have to influence the world around us. We want a big God, but we want a small God. And it's what happens when you create a pseudo-Saviour out of your feelings and your emotions. Instead of processing your emotions and your feelings with God, Feelings can be a, a pseudo-saviour. There can be a pseudo-saviour of feelings, of, um, of your behaviour. Um, I've probably got a bunch more that I could, I could list off and mention. Um, and like I said, I, I encourage you to reflect even in this moment, what are the pseudo-saviours? Again, they're the places that you go instead of the cross to find what you need. It could be self-worth, it could be validation, it could be identity, it could be any number of different things. Probably another pseudo-saviour that I see at work, even in the church oftentimes, is the pseudo-saviour of people's opinion. Is the pseudo-saviour of people's opinion. Even sometimes when I prepare a message, I've had to catch myself um, because I'll, I'll catch myself preparing a message and I'm thinking the whole time about 
um, how are they going to receive it? Or, or what are they going to think? Or, or how are they going to react to this specific point? And pretty soon, I'm, just, I'm not even thinking about what God's called me to preach. I'm thinking about how are people going to react and receive it? And, and when you get caught in that place, I don't know about you, but I'm never in the best place to love people and lay down my life for people when I'm trying to get approval from people. I'm never in the best place to do that. Whenever I'm in the, in the best place to love people and, and to give them approval is when I've already recognized the approval that there is at the foot of the cross, the approval that comes from Jesus, the approval that comes from Christ and from knowing Him. And we seek approval, we seek approval. I've seen it in my own life. How likely that you've seen it in your life as well. We, we get this pseudo savior that we think if people will like us, if people will approve of us, we'll be okay. And we're dying of thirst for people's approval when there's a deep well of approval that comes from Jesus, we just need to turn to it. And when we spend all this time trying to, trying to climb like a social ladder, and can I just tell you that celebrity culture does not belong in the house of God. We're, we're all groupies for Jesus, okay? He's the only celebrity in this place. <laughs> celebrity culture does not belong in the house of God or, or, or serving is not so we can work up some ladder and graduate to the next level of serving if you're serving in this place. It's not so we can do that. In fact, if it's to do that, we're missing the entire point of worshiping and exalting Jesus in an effort to get clout or claps or applause from people. And we can do it, we can be like Martha where we're so caught up in what we're doing, we, we miss what Jesus, that Jesus wants to be with us. The greatest call is to simply be with Him. We create a pseudo savior of, of people and what we do is we mistake significance for prominence. We think that um, a significant life, because this is what the world tells us, we think that a significant life comes when we find prominence, oh, sorry, a prominence. But the reality is, and the biblical view of this is that we don't find significance in our life through prominence or being seen or getting exposure. We actually find it through not prominence, but obedience. That, uh, the measure of a Christian's significance is not by their prominence or how seen they are. It's by their obedience to what God has called them to do in that moment or in that season of their life. It's through obedience that we find our true call and our, our true value. And we just, we get so caught up chasing and chasing and chasing people's opinion. Man, did, did, did we forget, <laughs> even in the church, did we forget that before anyone saw you, before anyone applauded you, before anyone thanked you, that before anyone saw you at your best, Jesus looked down at you from the cross at your worst. And He said, I choose them. I'll die for them. I'll give my life for them because I love them so much, whether they're at their best or at their worst. And we get so hung up, church trying to please people when God's approval, there's a deep well of approval at the cross. We exhaust ourselves and we die of thirst trying to climb a ladder or trying to get people to approve of us. And we miss it. And I think sometimes I've caught myself in my own life and it's like, did I, did I miss <laughs> the whole thing? Did we forget, like, the, honestly, the weight of what Jesus did for us? That, that the God of humanity, we get so familiar. The God of humanity came down in the form of a human being. Like, like get your head around that. And He hung on a cross and died on a tree for your sins and for my sins. And if that revelation isn't constantly doing something in your heart, then I believe it's because you actually don't have a conviction of sin. Uh, if you don't have a conviction of sin, you'll never have a conviction of God's grace. If you, if you don't have a conviction of the price that Jesus paid, you'll never understand what you're worth. And so we get so caught up on this and we don't realise, but <laughs> the reality is that if sin was a small issue, then Jesus must have been a small answer. If sin was a small question, then Jesus must have been a small saviour, but that's not true, you and I know that. That sin was, it was a huge issue. It created a chasm between us and between a relationship with God and the price that He paid to attain you, to have you, was enormous, was massive. 
We get so caught up even when we're, um, we serve a pseudo-saviour, even with our gifts and talents, we, we use them for the wrong reasons sometimes. Um, a great evangelist, Billy Graham, you may know who he is, you, you likely would if you've been to church for a, a long time, but if you don't, he, he basically, he was a, a great evangelist of our time and he's passed away now. Um, but he, 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 would, he would travel around in different stadiums and different places and he would preach the gospel, the simple gospel. And he saw so many people, like, like thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people come to Christ. And he, he went around and he, he would preach in stadium after stadium. He did a, an incredible work for Jesus um, in his time on earth. And, and, and I want to be said of my life that I did an incredible work for Jesus as well. But when you look back over um, his life, in fact, a reporter asked him, they said, hey, um, he was an old man. And they said, hey, Billy, what, what would you change in your ministry life? What would you do differently if you could do it over again? And so he, 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 I'll quote him what he said. He said, I would study more. He's saying, if I did it all over again. He said, I would study more. I would pray more. I would travel less and I would take less speaking engagements. I took too many of them in many places around the world. He said, if I had to do it over again, I'd spend more time in prayer telling the Lord how much I love Him and adore Him. And I'm looking forward to spending the rest of eternity with Him. See, that's a man that he wasn't so caught up trying to hustle like Martha that he missed the one he was doing it for. That's a man that didn't forget. He didn't forget that the, the first call, the primary call isn't just to do a bunch of stuff. It's to know Jesus. It's to, it's to sit at His feet like Mary. In a world where everyone's running around and hustling like Martha, it's to sit at His feet and to just say, God, like I, I love You. And, and to receive that love from Him and to know Him and to make Him known to other people. And we complicate it so often. But I'll tell you another story. I had a, um, caught up with someone, a mentor of mine a while ago. Um, and he, he told me this story about um, this worship leader that he knew. Um, and he said he had a, a worship leader that he would, um, he would kind of talk to and catch up with sometimes. He said this worship leader, they, they were spending time with God one time. Um, and he said they, they heard like the Holy Spirit kind of give them some lyrics and some words to sing in their own time with Jesus as they were, as they were um, spending time with Him. And so he started singing this and, 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 and just singing these lyrics to Jesus in worship. And he was like, man, I, this, is, this is hot. Like I wanna make a, a melody and a song out of this. He said, this is gonna touch people's lives. And he was pretty convict, convicted uh, it was gonna blow up and make a big impact in the world around him. And so he started, um, he started like, he took this song and he, he recorded it and he got in the studio, he got in the stew. He made this, this um, song, but before he released it, he felt the Holy Spirit whisper to him, and say, I gave you that song, not so you could give it to the world, I gave it to you so you could sing it to me in our time together. See, how often do we get it twisted in our need to be seen, the pseudo saviour of man, that we can miss the simple pursuit of authentic worship and intimacy with Jesus? How often we can miss it? I don't wanna miss it. <laughs> I don't wanna miss it. In fact, um, I don't know what pseudo saviour you wrestle with tonight. Like I said, we all have places or things we go to sometimes other than the cross to get what we need. And it might be a pseudo saviour of, of, um, of people's opinion. It might be a pseudo saviour of um, addiction. It might be a pseudo saviour of um, applause from, from a family member or someone that you're trying to impress. It might be um, a pseudo saviour of behaviour and what you can do. It could be any, it could be feelings. It could be any number of things. Uh, you can make a pseudo saviour out of anything. And it's when we go somewhere to, to get something that only can be found at the cross, but we go somewhere else for it. You know, um, in the book of Revelation, and I wanna, I wanna close with this Scripture, and then I wanna go on a time of worship. Revelation 2, verse two to four, God speaks to uh, the seven churches at the time um, that He wanted to, and He spoke to the church at Ephesus, and He said this profound statement. This is God speaking in Revelation 2. 
He says this to the church, it's, it's kind of like a report card. He says, I know your works, your labour, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and you've found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have laboured for my name's sake, and you've not become weary. It sounds like a pretty good report card. But then he says this, he says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Some translations say that you've forgotten the love that you had at first. Did you read how much they were doing right? <laughs> if I got that report card up until the last line, I would be pretty stoked. He says, he says, let's get it back on the screen. Let's read it again. He says, what does he say? He says, you've persevered, you have patience. They're labouring for God's sake. They're not becoming weary. They're, they're doing all the right things. They're like Martha doing all the right things. But he says, that's great. I see that. I know your works. But he says, at the end of the day, you don't, you don't love me like you used to. And I wonder if God's saying the same thing to you tonight is that you need to come back to your first love. You don't love Him like you used to. You used to, used to pray and seek God and, and just tell Him how much you love Him and, and get on your knees like Mary. But I think at, at times in our life, we can find ourselves like Martha, just hustling and doing all the right stuff, but we forget about the one we're doing it for. Man, I pray that we come back to our first love. Father God, we surrender any pseudo saviors, Jesus. Any things that we run to instead of the cross to find our worth, our value, validation, Father. God, we love You. Thank You that You loved us first. Your Word says that it's, it's love, not that we loved You, but that You loved us first and You gave Yourself, God. And help us, Jesus, teach us to seek You first. In Jesus' Name, hey, you can lower your hands, but just, just keep every eye closed and head bowed in this place. Because as I've been speaking, I believe the Spirit of God has been tapping some people on the shoulder. And He's been saying, you know that you need, to, you need to get right with me. You know that you need to start following me and seeking me again. And, and maybe this is the first time you've heard the Gospel message or maybe you've been to church a bunch of times, but if you're honest, you don't really know Jesus for yourself. You don't have that Mary level intimacy where you actually would consider yourself a Christian. Maybe you've been distracted and life got in the way, but, but God loves you so much tonight. He wants a relationship with you. God didn't want an employee, but He wanted a child that He could do life with and He could pour His love out upon. Come on, if that's you in this place, I'd love on the count of three, I just want you to give me a wave if you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I'm not turning back, it's not a small decision, but I wanna actually repent of the way I've been living and I wanna give my life to Jesus. Man, man, why else? Why would the creator of the universe trout his, crane, his crown of glory for a crown of thorns? Why would he trade the praises of angels for the scornful remarks of mankind? Because he loves you and he loved I enough to endure the agony of the cross. He took your sin and he took my sin upon Himself so that we could be restored to right relationship. And so if that's you, I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna look across this place and this is just a public declaration of an inward decision. And so if that's you, if you just wanna give me a wave, don't overthink it, you don't have to have all the answers. But if you say, this moment's for me, one, two, three, as I look from the left to the right, just raise your hand up, I see that hand on the left, awesome. Nice and high for me, I see that hand on the back. Awesome, I see that hand. So good, as I look from the left to the middle to the right. I see that hand, bro, awesome decision. Great work, bro. I see that hand, amazing decision. That's great. So good. Awesome. Father God, we thank You these decisions are not light decisions, but they're eternity altering decisions, God. We thank You that all of heaven rejoices when even one makes that decision. And we pray right now, God, You would just give them the true conviction of the reality that they're forgiven of all their sins. They're a new creation starting tonight on the 13th of February, Father. We pray a blessing over them. In Jesus' Name, and everybody celebrated and said amen. Come on, let's celebrate all those decisions.